you're, you're basically saying a medical uh, a, a Medigap or a supplement to Medicare plus Medicare plus the standalone, you would take that all day long over a Medicare Advantage if you were Jeff Bezos and you didn't care about money. Because we do care about money, but I, but I think we need to start from that point of view. Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. You can see it. I mean, it's crystal clear. I think it's going to really revolutionize things. Which is a big game changer. All information discussed or provided by Jonathan Bakhtari, MD, Dr. Bakhtari, and or his affiliates and guests are for educational purposes only. The information discussed and provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical concern or condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of any information discussed or provided by Dr. Bakhtari or his affiliates and guests. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call 911 immediately. Hi, welcome back to Bakhtari. MD. Today, I'm very, very excited. We actually have our first guest. I know uh, when we set uh, this program up, uh, it wasn't really meant as a back and forth between guests. But, you know, I like to keep that option open in case we really find someone that can contribute to things that are important to this channel, to me, and to, the, to what I think uh, the public would like to know. It's really my pleasure to welcome Matthew Clausen. Uh, Matthew is the CEO of uh, Medigap Seminars. He's uh, one of the largest independent insurance brokers specializing in Medicare. Welcome to the show. And uh, Matthew, would you uh, tell us a little bit about you, your company, your background? Oh, sure. Thank you, uh, Dr. Bakhtari. So yeah, MedigapSeminars.org uh, are we're one of the largest uh, independent brokerages that specialize in Medicare. We work in 49 states. Uh, Massachusetts is the only state that we don't work in. It's because they've opted out of standardized Medicare. And we help what literally is uh, thousands of people you know, every year uh, make their Medicare decision. And as you mentioned, we are independent. And being truly independent means that we represent our clients' best interest and our motto is to make an informed decision. So we can do anything Medicare related. And we work with you know, all of the major insurance companies. If there's an insurance company that we don't work with, that's my decision because I don't want to put my name behind that insurance company. And so we help people every day make these Medicare decisions, and we we want them to be informed. It's you know, make an informed decision means we'll we'll lay out everything that they should consider and the pros and cons of each. And most people at that point can decide in which direction that uh, that they want to go. Thank you for that background. Let me tell you my motive for having you on. You know, as you know, I, I've been a practicing physician for you know twenty years, and um. What I found surprising, you know, in my research is I, as a physician who practiced for 20 years, had no knowledge of some of the intricacies of all the options with Medicare. You know, you would think as as physicians practicing that this would all be second nature and, you know, I, I could give the same discourses that you can, but obviously it's not true. And I think part of it is because physicians and healthcare providers are on the clinical side and obviously they're, they're trying to get reimbursed and what have you, but they are not aware of all the intricacies that are involved 
um, in, in making a decision about Medicare. So what I'd like to do with you, if you don't mind, is just imagine um, I'm one of your clients and I know you you get a lot of new clients every day, but imagine I'm, I'm turning 65 in a month. Uh, I knock on your door, we have an appointment, I walk in, and I really want you to take our viewers through that discussion if you don't mind. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask what I probably would ask if I was really sitting down with you. And I would say, let's just start off with um, different scenarios, but let's just say I come to you and I'm still working and I have a group policy and I know um, you, you have answers for this, but, and I come to you and I say, well, I have a group policy at work and I'm turning 65 and it's a great policy. I like it, kind of covers everything, blah, blah, blah. Should I switch to Medicare and, and tell my employer, Hey, I want, I, to take me off that plan. Uh, I want Medicare. Um, and what, you know, what would be the forks in the road that you would direct me? Would you analyze my current plan and say, it's better than Medicare? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or actually, you know, um, it's, um, it's worse than Medicare, whatever, in terms of both economics and coverage, how would you approach it if I just came to you with that initial question? Well, that's a great question because we actually do that, a, a cost-benefit analysis. Um, so the, the first thing would be, of course, do you have a spouse or a younger spouse, an older spouse, et cetera? Because un unfortunately, in this day and age, if uh, let's say that you, you do and that spouse is 10 years younger and they are on your uh, health care, your group health care, if you were to get off and go on to Medicare, you then have to have your spouse insured separately. And in most cases, that's cost prohibitive. That's probably uh, more expensive and uh, less of a benefit. So oftentimes that's where we would say, listen, if you've got your employer coverage and you're you know, both a very close age or you, you don't have that, then we're going to take a look at it and compare it to Medicare. But just, just to say, you know, if someone came and said, well, I've got a, you know, a, a wife and she's you know, 60 years old, she's five years away from getting Medicare. Um, we'll take a look at a cost benefit and take a look at the options there. Uh, but that insuring your spouse is a huge factor. You know, I guess you're saying you can't bring your family with you into Medicare. So what's going to happen to them if you make the switch? So I get that. Let's say you can get past that. Okay. So let's say you, you get past it and let's say your spouse is still working. She's got her own plan that covers the kids and whatever. Or and and you can get somehow past that, and I come to you and I say, look, it's just, okay, it's just me right now. Um, I I love my plan. My plan is a PPO. Uh, it's you know it's a really great plan. Uh, you still would do an analysis of whether uh, I is better and and the cost. But the one thing that if it's an employer plan, unless I'm using Medicare Advantage, which we'll talk about, I can't imagine you're going to beat the cost. If you're combining, we'll talk about those things later. Um, if you take Medicare Part A and B, original Medicare, plus the supplement, plus the Part D that I that you'd have to pay premium for, when you put all of that together, on balance, you know, I mean, yes, there are individual scenarios, but on balance, which one am I going to be paying more? Because if my employer is paying a good portion of my plan. How does how do you think that stacks up with me trying to take on those three things, putting Medicare Advantage aside for a second? Well, that's actually is it it's again exactly what we're used to doing. And the first thing is that are you looking at your 
two different policies. You know, your Medicare is going to be one. What you have currently is another. We're going to look at your deductible, uh, your copay after the fact. You know, how much uh, do you you pay after you've covered the deductible, as well as your premium, and then what type of network are you limited to? Um, so it's you know not just the premium. You know, premium to premium, they're not apples to apples comparison. So. They'll then take a look at a scenario of, let's say that you have a $10,000 medical event, you know, then what is your cost right. going to be? Okay. And, and so, I mean, there are plans out there and there are, there are people with um, coverage that are very generous employers and have great plans, but that's probably one out of 10. In really? the vast majority of cases, you're going to find we can often actually lower a person's premium and give them better coverage right. with Medicare. Okay, so taking all comers, like the last hundred people that have come to you in this scenario, you're telling me if I got I wanna what I like to do in this conversation is make it granular information that people can kind of re- somewhat rely on. But out of a hundred people who come to you with relatively good PPOs, when you put it aside to and I, I'm never gonna compare it to original Medicare. I'm talking about original Medicare plus the supplement plus the part D stand. Right. So let, let's just, those are the two apples we want to compare. If I can get all three of those versus a generous PPO from my employer, the last hundred people you've done that analysis, which way has it gone, the percentage one? The, the vast majority. And I'm going to say eight to nine out of 10, uh, it has been a better scenario with original Medicare, a supplement, and a Part D plan. In in many cases, it's actually equal or lesser outlay, you know, premium, as well as a much better benefit. Right. You have to remember, a lot of employers, uh, in order to keep their costs down, have gone to insurance policies that may have a, a five thousand dollar deductible, and after you pay the deductible, you're still going to pay maybe twenty percent or sometimes thirty percent. And you know, so you're you're not only you paying a premium, um, oftentimes a premium that is is you know three, four, six hundred dollars right. a month. Right. But if you get sick, you're going to have to come up with the first five thousand right. dollars before you even get any coverage. And you can compare that with similar expenses. You know, you're going to pay your your Medicare Part B, which is you know 140 plus, depends on your income. Uh, a prescription drug plan, which you know, in average is thirty-five dollars a month across the country. Many will get something that's less, and then a supplement. And again, that depends on state, but can, that can be anywhere from right. you know seventy-five to, to two hundred dollars a month. So, but you can limit your outlay to just a couple hundred dollars if you have a medical bill. Okay, so what you're telling me then is because as employer plans have, I don't want to say gotten worse, but ha- grab more out of your pockets because the employer is trying to save money, that Medicare actually starts to look better. Or a lot of employers have gone to really restrictive P- uh, HMOs for their employees, in which case that's probably not even 9 out of 10, that's probably 10 out of 10. If I'm coming from a restricted HMO plan for my employer, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but 100% of the time, almost, you'd be like, if you can afford those premiums, uh, you know, go in that direction. Uh, am I correct? Or would, do you want to ask something? Yes. I mean, you are correct. But when we're talking with people, what I'm trying to get them to envision, you know, my my philosophy is you want to get 
the insurance plan, when you do get Medicare, you get the insurance plan that you're going to want to keep for the rest of your life, the kind of insurance plan that you would want to have when you're sick or injured. Because we do have a lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm healthy now. I, I, why don't I just go with something cheap? Right. And, it, you know, or it, it, they don't realize that when you get unhealthy, you right. know, when something happens medically, right. you have very limited right. choices on what right. you can do. No, I, I, I hear that. Okay, so then let's go back to the original. So I come to you and let's just say we do this analysis and you say either I don't have a current employer plan or the one I have, you've analyzed it and you say no, even you know Medicare Advantage or original Medicare plus all the supplements is a better option for you. So at that point, we move to our next decision. Um, and so I'm going to say to you, okay, uh, Matthew, thank you for that. We're okay. We're ditching our employer plan, or I don't even have an employer plan. Now you're going to have to have a talk with me about original Medicare and the options. If I want to keep original Medicare versus the other option, which is Medicare Advantage. So if you're approaching me, and I let's say I, I've done no research, how are you going to serve that up to me? Okay. There are really three choices that you have once you start Medicare. Uh, the first is to just have your Medicare Part A and Medicare Part B and a prescription drug plan. Now, your Medicare Part A is your inpatient as a, a hospital inpatient care. Your Medicare Part B is your outpatient, and it covers pretty much everything else. So it's it's uh, between Part A and Part B, it's meant to cover everything uh, that you, that can happen to you. Unfortunately, with just Medicare A and B, you, you don't have a cap on your out-of-pocket expenses. So, for example, the, the Medicare uh, Part A deductible, which is a per-event deductible, is over fourteen, so almost $1,500 a year. Uh, and although that'll cover you for 60 days, you, you, you have to plan the fact that um, you can have that deductible more than once a year. Your Medicare Part B, you're gonna, it's going to cover approximately 80% of what your outpatient services are, but there's no cap on that. So you can do that. And a lot of people will say, I'm just going to have Medicare A and B. And a lot, I mean, about 20% from our experience. Uh, typically, when they come to us, that's not what they want to do. But uh, I think the uh, Medicare statistics is somewhere around that. So um, from there, Though you have two choices. You can either keep your Medicare A and B and build on it and build on it by getting a supplement that limits your out-of-pocket expense and pays, you know, for those deductibles and those co-pays so that you have almost no out-of-pocket coverage. Or you can trade in that Medicare A and B for a privatized version. That's what a Medicare Advantage plan is. A Medicare Advantage plan is simply a privatized version of Medicare A and B without a supplement, but they put a cap on mm -hmm. your maximum out of pocket so that, you know, again, you have that maximum and it protects you financially. Uh, but when you look at the benefits of a, of a, a Medicare Advantage plan, the or they should say the expenses because you <clears throat> can have outlays, then that Medicare Advantage plan 
you know, you're going to pay uh, an expense when you go into the hospital, you know, a daily expense for X number of days. Yeah. You're, you're going to pay, you know, fees for ambulance, et cetera. And on what they refer to as an actuarial equivalent, meaning the average person on that specific advantage plan will have an out-of-pocket cost equal to what they would have had if they just had Medicare A and B. And just to interrupt, but when you say actu- actuarial, I get that, but from Medicare Advantage, it's capped. So on the uh, on the outliers, it's not equivalent, right? So in other words, you know, with and help me if I'm if I'm misspeaking, but if if but on a typical person, if you have just original Medicare and you have some you know some horrible thing, and you know there is no cap, so that's not equivalent. I'm just trying to be devil's advocate, right? Okay. Well, the, you know, mathematically it's required by law to be an actuarial equivalent. Right. And the, uh, and it, and it means, you know, there, there are a lot of people that, you know, maybe have a year where they're, they're several years for example, where they're really healthy and they have very little out of pocket expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there are those that, ha- that have a lot, but the caps placed on a Medicare Advantage plan are only in reference to those things that are covered by that Advantage plan. Uh, So you can have, by the way, greater expenses that are outside of that actuarial equivalent. You know, that's not where we would get into right away in a conversation. But yes, there are people that will have very large expenses and they're going to be capped at, you know, if you're out of pocket, uh, out of network, it's going to be about 11,000. Uh, it can be about 7,000. I'm using approximate numbers, but uh, $7,000 if it's in network. And you will have those outliers, but those outliers are figured in because uh, from a, an actuarial standpoint, it, they have to they have to come to that uh, equivalence of, of A and B. And you know, when when we talk about though the differences between the advantage plan and the supplement, and the, looking at the supplement, one of the great things is that with a Medicare supplement, you get to keep what I consider to be the two most important benefits of your original Medicare, because mm-hmm. Medicare is going to make the decision. So, Medicare is your primary coverage; your supplement is your secondary. Mm-hmm. So, with that. You know, what you get to do is you get to choose your doctor. You can see any doctor, go to any medical facility in in the United States or in a U.S. territory. So, you know, if there's a, a doctor that specializes in a disease that you right. have that's halfway across the country, Medicare is not going to cover your air fight, but right. it'll cover your health care when right. you get there. So you know, having no network is an extreme benefit Mm -hmm. and medicare's intent is to cover everything that is medically necessary it's all throughout the medicare and you guide book if you take a look and they don't have this team of people that determines medical necessity that medical necessity is really left to you, you and your doctor so you don't have an insurance company in between telling you that well you know this is covered you know in almost all the insurance in this country this health insurance including uh, medicare advantage plans the hmos and the ppos right the insurance company has the final say on what is or is right. not covered right okay and that's a that's the huge determination it's almost a a quality of care and uh, i have in one of my uh, i mentioned it in one of my videos and uh, as well as uh, articles online 
the in 2018, the Inspector General for Health and Human Services published a survey. They did a survey for three years, you know, 2014, 15, and 16. And they found that in each and every year, more than half of the participants of a Medicare Advantage plan were denied necessary medical mm. services by the insurance company. These are services they would have automatically had had they just had original Medicare. Right. And through an analysis of the appeals process and how many were accepted on, a, on appeal, et cetera, it was the determination that the denial of benefits is basically a line item to increase profits from right. the insurance company. Uh, there's a lawsuit, I think it was in California, the gentleman had uh, was denied particular service and uh, it came out the the person who was uh, in charge of making that determination for the insurance company had admitted in their X number of years with the insurance company, they never even looked at the medical records. It, like their medical director or something? Is that, is that... It, was a, it was a medical director. There's a, it's the, well, the person was not really a medical director. I don't believe they were a doctor. Oh, um, I see. Okay. And so they were yeah. just the person who was in charge of making the decision yeah. on what is or isn't covered. And, you know, doctors have told me too, they, they get very frustrated with it because a lot of times right. the people denying coverage don't know anything about the condition. Right. So, uh, by the way, if, um, if you provide that to us, I'll just put it into the links um, in this video for people to read for themselves. Uh, but so let's pull back. You know, I, <laughs> I'm a simple guy down deep. And, and I guess what I would ask you is, if there was an option, and we can, and then I want to get granular. If there was an option to get original Medicare plus a supplement plus the standalone pharmacy you know, Part D plan versus getting any any Medicare Advantage program in the country, and they were the same price, it would or they were both free. Let's just say they were both free. Your your rich uncle's going to pick up the tab no matter which one you pick. If I had a Maserati sitting in the parking lot or I had a 64 Chevy and I would give you either one, you just pick and it's, it's going to cost you the same thing, which one would you take? Now, that's with a car, but we're talking about your health. So let's take economics out of the equation for a second because economics are important, but you want to make a decision and tell me where I'm going wrong. First, you know, you want to, get the car that you want and then say, well, okay, this is the car I really need or want, but I can't afford it. Now with a car, who really cares? But when it comes to your healthcare, it's, it's not bad to think like that. Like if, if I could, you know, if it was Christmas time or whatever, and you're Santa Claus and you're going to give me anything, uh, which program would I want? So you've been in the business a long time. It's my, it's, you know, it's my birthday. You're going to give me a gift. If you could give me nothing out of my pocket, uh, you know, medic original Medicare plus a supplement plus Part D versus the best Medicare Advantage program in the country, which one would you give me, or which one would you take if I was giving you a gift, no money out of your pocket? Who, which plan would you want to live with? Well, very simple as the Plan G, as in Gregory. Yeah, the that's a Medicare supplement plan G covers everything that you know all of your copays and deductibles of original Medicare, except what we call the Medicare Part B deductible. That's the outpatient right. deductible. It's an annual deductible. It's charged once a year, the first 
you know, it's $203. Right. So when you see a doctor as an outpatient, you pay the first $203. Right. After that, everything's covered. Okay. So, so let me, you actually mentioned a specific plan, but I don't even want to get that granular. You're, you're basically saying a medical, su- uh, a, a Medigap or a supplement to Medicare plus Medicare plus the standalone, you would take that all day long over a Medicare Advantage if you were Jeff Bezos and you didn't care about money. Because we do care about money, but I, but I think we need to start from that point of view. In other words, if you're trying to sell me a Medicare Advantage plan, and I said to you, I'm Jeff Bezos, how, what, how would you convince Jeff Bezos to, to get a Medicare supplement, uh, a Medicare Advantage plan? It'll be devil's advocate. What would someone tell me saying, listen, I know money is not an issue for you, but this is why you should get a Medicare Advantage plan. Can you even come up with that scenario? Sure. The the vast majority of people that we deal with, when we go through, you know, when we go through all of the pros and cons, uh, it becomes one of um, control over your health care and quality of care, not a dollar, because right. the the money it doesn't save you money to go to a Medicare Advantage plan. <clears throat> it's just that instead of having a premium outlay on a monthly basis, you have that potentially large outlay if you get ill. And there right. are a lot of people in this country that don't have the savings to tolerate, you know, um, let's call it Murphy's Law. Let's right. say you get sick in November, you have cancer. With typical Medicare Advantage plan, you're going to pay 20% of your medical bills up to your maximum out of pocket. Well, let's say you stay in network, you're a good person, et cetera, and your maximum out of pocket's $7,300. That resets January 1, and you're still sick. And now you've got another $7,300 out of pocket. So if you're chronically ill, you'd be paying 7,000 every year. So so even if from a Medicare Advantage point of view, but, but be devil's advocate, what if you had to come up for someone who economics is not an issue, what reason would you have to pick Medicare Advantage if economics is not an issue? It, it's simple. It's you With a Medicare Advantage, you keep the benefits of original Medicare, the ability to control your health care. Your health care is between you and your doctor. There's no insurance company right. in the middle that can impact the quality of your life. Right. You know, that's the primary. That's what it when we have these discussions, that's the light bulb that goes on right. in people's heads. Like I I don't want that <laughs> other choice even but if so, it's free. So, so we can't even come up with a, like to be devil's advocate if you if 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 I said to you, you know, what a, it, money doesn't matter to to this person, why should they select the Medicare Advantage program? Because you're saying you're just giving up stuff in exchange for some potential economic advantage. Let me tell you what I what I think and then tell me where I'm going wrong. I think, you know, both plans have issues. What I have seen uh, over my 20 years, even when I was a medical student, what, what have you, is that when people have a fee-for-service or insurance plan that simply will pay whatever is ordered and, and and whatever doctor you get referred to, the excesses can occur. I mean, you may get unnecessary procedures potentially, you may get referred to people unnecessarily. So let's so that's one of the disadvantages. So if I was selling Medicare Advantage, I would say, well look, we're gonna take some of that excess out because we're we're firmly entrenched in Medicare Advantage and we have a network and 
We have utilization managed nurses, and you know, we we really make sure you don't get any unnecessary procedures or get unnecessary referrals. The flip side of that, of course, is you know what you what you were referring to earlier, which is that the medical decision making is not just between you and you and your doctor. Now you have a for profit insurance company, you know, potentially making some of those decisions. And the network of doctors you can see, or even if you do get to see a doctor or a PA or nurse, nurse practitioner, all of that, <clears throat> you would give up some control. I guess the, the only argument that I could see from a Medicare Advantage point of view is we're going to take, we're going to get rid of some of those potential excesses. And then the argument back is, are going to, are they going to remove more than excesses to, to pad the, pad the profit? In other words, if you had a Medicare Advantage company that just simply got rid of the excesses, that would, I guess, you could make an argument, forget about economics, it's better to be in a managed plan because you won't get unnecessary tests. But th- then the issue really is, you know, from th- what you, that thing you cited, the, 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 the inspector general thing is you're, you're saying, and they're saying is sometimes these plans go above getting rid of these excesses and actually deny you services. Um, where am I? Where am I going wrong with that analysis? Well, you're you're not really going wrong at all. It's it's the consumer point of view. So from a, if if it's a different point of view, if you're trying to let's say make decisions to manage the country's healthcare, manage Medicare, or the consumer themselves, the consumer is going to have a different point of view, and that is that I would. You know, and, and being the consumer, I would rather have to go through more tests than I thought, or you know, more services than I thought, than to be not denied something, right. and then be be harmed in that process. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, you're right; there are excesses out there, and you know, we see that it's it's you know more tests or more procedures, and you know, and people. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to get into medical stuff too much, but it, certainly if, if somebody, it's the old thing. If you go to a surgeon on an issue and that <laughs> surgeon, you know, they, they, they have one solution, surgery. Right. And, right. you know, you really ought to be talking to more than one if right. that's the case, because right. it's not always the right answer for you. And that's on the consumer. That's a consumer control. <clears throat> they can make that decision to have that surgery or go get a second opinion. Medicare is going to pay for both. Just to add to that, if that surgeon is part of a Medicare Advantage plan and they are not getting paid for every surgery, and we can talk about how that happens, uh, you know, whether they're, they're, they're capitated or, you know, their, their utilization is reviewed, the, the flip side could happen where, you know, they say, well, maybe we could watch you for a while when, in fact, you may you know, need the procedure right away. So, yeah, I guess as a quandary, and I know you're not a medical professional. You're, in fact, you're you're you'd be on the receiving end of this. But it, so, do you want to go to see a provider who's incentivized to do the procedure, or sometimes you're going to see a provider who's incentivized not to do the care or the procedure, whatever you want to refer to? So that that's a quandary, and I think this is what people need to understand when they come see you, right? Because I think compartmentalizing economics for a second, and let's put it aside, just say, well, you know, it may be, now look, 95%, 100%, whatever, of all healthcare workers and doctors and nurses want to do the right thing and want to take care of the patient the right way. And that's certainly been my experience. But having said that, you know, when you incentivize a 
company and a group of people to, you know, minimize something. Uh, it's often, you know, a lot of th- a lot of these decisions, whether to do a procedure or watch and wait, are not clear. I mean, even the literature is not clear. And I think what could happen is in someone who's incentivized to do it, you know, they so they're not like doing the right thing or the wrong thing. It could it could go either way. And what we normally do, and what we're taught in medical school, is to this is where the art of medicine comes in, where we say yes, well, we could go either way, but I think this is tipping the scale for us to you know, do the procedure, or I think in this patient, and I think this is tipping the scale in this other patient to maybe watch and see what happens. But human nature being what it is and organizations putting pressures, you could see if there's a gray area, it might potentially tip someone not to do the wrong thing or the right thing, but simply go in more often in the direction that the motivation's in. But go ahead. Well, I, I'm going to take that further and say, yes, I agree that most of the medical practitioners out there want to do the right thing for the patient. I, I 100% believe that. The problem, and, and I first want to preface, we do Medicare Advantage and, and again, every state except for Massachusetts. So, you know, there are times when that's the right choice, but it's a choice by the consumer. They need to make that choice, you know, with full information of, of the pros and cons. But typically, it's not the medical practitioner of where the problem is from what we've seen. It's the insurance company in the way. It's when the medical practitioner says, mm-hmm. well, if you, you know, if you don't have this physical therapy, uh, you're, you know, you're not going to be able to walk normally again. And mm-hmm. the insurance company is saying, well, we're not going to pay for the physical therapy or right. the occupational therapy. Right. Or um, another recent case was a, a woman who, um, I'm not sure what the condition was, but she her sinuses mm-hmm. weren't working. She couldn't right. breathe through her sinuses. And the insurance company, if they do say it's right. it's not medically necessary to have that procedure. The doctor wanted to have the procedure. The patient wanted to have the procedure. Mm-hmm. It's the insurance company that steps in. So more than you know, there there are going to be excesses anytime you have human nature involved for all sorts of reasons. But when a person, an individual is looking at their health care and their future, the one thing that triggers their concerns the most is thinking that there can be an insurance company that will control their health care and tell them when they can or cannot have a procedure that even they and their doctor. Well, can I, can I add to that? Because I it's funny because you're adding to what I said. <laughs> I want to add to what you said, which is that position that you just said that you know, the doctor may or may not want it and it's the insurance company. But let's let's back up a little bit. When you sign up for a Medicare Advantage program, the people in network may be contracted with, with Medicare Advantage or they may be direct employees of. So like if I said to you, well, listen, if I sign up for this Medicare Advantage program, will the practitioners I am seeing, who will be writing their checks every two weeks or every month and if it happens to be the same company that is for profit that's taking my medicare dollars and you know the profit is going to be between what medicare gives them and what they actually provide that that difference is going to be the profit for the company and if they're hiring their own doctors nurse practitioners and sometimes their own urgent cares and their own what have you 
um, versus a Medicare Advantage program that simply contracts out with doctors who still indirectly are getting compensated by Medicare Advantage, and and but that compensation may be, you know, different, and we can talk about that. But I, I think the closer you are to the insurance company, the, the more likely that may have an impact. Clearly, if literally my paycheck's coming from them. So I, I get what you're saying, that sometimes it's the insurance company making the decision. But what, so would that be a fair thing to say if you want to sign up for a Medicare Advantage to find out if the providers or the preponderance of the providers are direct employees of that insurance company? Would Have you ever thought of that or has anyone ever mentioned that? Yeah, I mean, there are, um, like, I don't want to name specific companies, but there are companies out there that uh, have programs like that. They're typically HMOs. Um, I have seen, you know, I've, I've heard, I guess, a lot of good and bad, both mm-hmm. from those types of organizations. And, you know, from a consumer point of view, let's say if somebody is um, is going to do that, they have to understand, okay, you're, you're going to be limited to pretty much service from employees of that organization Mm -hmm. that all right and and sometimes they'll say well if you have a a specialty that we can't solve then you can go out and and find a different doctor should they know that yes it needs to be transparent is it i mean if i go on a website for medicare advantage program are they going to say all our providers are, are 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 direct employees uh and and they work for us and let me take it one step further even for the ones that are not their employees, how are they getting compensated? For example, many providers are getting compensated based on what's what's called capitation, which is you know they may get fifty dollars a month for every Medicare Live that is assigned to them. That no matter how many times they see any one particular person, their compensation doesn't change. Would you want to know that? Would you want to know that? you're signing up for a program that the providers don't get any extra compensation if they see you 10 times in one month or one time a month. So two things. One, do you need to know if the provider is a direct employee of the company, the insurance company? Even if they're not a direct employee, do you want to know how they're getting compensated? I'm not saying that's going to change anything, but should you know that? Would you want to know that? Yes, you should, and I certainly would want to. Unfortunately, there's this huge lack of transparency in that part of the industry, and uh, we've seen it, you know, especially with uh, HMOs more so than any other uh, of the types of Medicare Advantage plans. And does it impact them? Uh, most definitely. Uh, there's um, a retirement community here in Florida that. For example, the as a very large retirement community, and the developer actually got a contract to uh, with an insurance company, where that developer would be compensated for every person new to that community that signs up for a Medicare Advantage plan uh-huh. through that insurance company. So what that developer did was required any medical facilities within that community is large enough to have several mm-hmm. could only be ins- only offer insurance from that one particular company where that developer was compensated and of course those doctors were also compensated extra to do so was that transparent absolutely not as a matter mm-hmm. of fact uh, in the 
community um, HMO stuff as well. The reason we do this is we believe you get better health care through, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, there's there's money that goes around. Right. You know, the, the government pays the Medicare Advantage insurance company um, an amount per month mm-hmm. that is based on the claims in that area and what they would expect the average person in that area to cost Medicare if they right. were to remain an obligation of Medicare. And that creates all sorts of incentives that um, people should be aware of, you know, and, and to start is just that is your, is your doctor like me an independent, you know, or is your doctor, you know, a (laughs) captured doctor. Right. Well, so I guess we should have done this earlier in the thing. So I think part of the misunderstanding, and I know you talk about it is that when people, you know, decide to go with a Medicare advantage, even some of the literature I've seen, it almost sounds like Medicare Advantage is a supplement to Medicare, when in fact, all that's happening is you're replacing your Medicare with the supplement. In other words, the U.S. government kind of spends $700 billion a year on Medicare, and, and a third of that is literally handed over to for-profit companies, and, sa- and they say, okay, take, it th- take care of one-third of these you know, 60 million patients and you basically are giving up your Medicare for an HMO. Well, I know there are PPO Medicare, but for the sake of this conversation, you basically are saying, here is my Medicare. Let me hand it to a for-profit company. In exchange, uh, they'll give me an HMO. And economically, I might benefit from that. But in exchange, I'm going to maybe give up medical decision-making from me and my doctor to the HMO, and I'm going to limit who I can see. If I have a special eye issue, I'm not going to be able to go see some eye specialists in in Florida. So this getting away from that Medicare Advantage is a supplement. Yeah, it's not a supplement. It is that's an improper term to use for Medicare Advantage. You know, it is a a Medicare replacement policy. Right. Um, That's all it is. And um, you're you're no longer going to call Medicare up if you got questions. You you know, everything is through that insurance company you chose to work with. So is it fair then to because I I think you and I look, I, I, I'm a physician, you're, you're, you've been, you know, an insurance broker. So we're in the weeds of this, but let's look at it from a layperson's point of view. If I went to just any website to look at the differences, and I, and actually I did this, uh, the other day, I randomly across the country, I went to both Medicare Advantage websites and uh, Medicare supplements. But one of the things I noticed, and tell me if I just saw the wrong stuff, but, a lot of the Medicare Advantages, you know, they have these little check boxes of all the things you get, you know, from Medicare Advantage. But what I noticed is next to the checkbox for comparison was original Medicare. And to a consumer, that is really deceiving because we're, you know, in my mind, I say compare Medicare Advantage to original Medicare with a supplement and a Part D policy, all three, and then put those against, because that's what they've done. They, they've combined all, you know, essentially all of it too. But when I see the check boxes, I don't see all three put next to it. So if I'm a senior and this is not what I do, you know, they're not in the insurance world, they're not in the medical world. 
could that throw me off? And have you seen similar things? Oh, absolutely. And some, especially during the annual open enrollment period, uh, annual election period, in the end of the year, I've seen uh, advertisements which I'm actually surprised are legal because they are um, so biased, you know, yeah. and uh, miss a big picture. Right. And so, you know, yes, you're you're you know, original Medicare, you have Medicare making all the decisions that doesn't change when you have a supplement, right. you know, Medicare is, is, is your primary coverage with the Medicare advantage companies. They do tend to compare just to original Medicare without a supplement. And then what they'll do is they'll throw in things like, Oh, we're going to give you dental and insurance or a free right. gym membership. Yeah. Right. Television and Uber rides now. Right. Um, and, you know, some of them, if you see the Joan Namath commercials, will even say something like, uh, we're going we're gonna to pay for part of your Part B. You have to pay for Part B, whether you have original Medicare or an right. Advantage plan. And as I say in, in my videos, and we haven't mentioned this, I have 40-plus videos on yeah, YouTube that are really um, uh, available for education. And that whenever that insurance company is going to offer you something, it will cost you. It's somewhere right. down the line, you know, they're not giving anything away for free. And that's where we get oftentimes, well, they've got a gym membership. <laughs> um, okay, well, what's really going to be the cost right. to you? What are you giving up for it? And in dental plans, it's not really ever dental insurance. It's typically some basic something like free cleaning that will allow you to, you know, and it, it, they, everyone's different, but it's not. It's it's there to make it look like you're getting more. Well, what what you're saying is the, I mean, the, the other selling point, just to summarize what you're saying is often maybe a Medicare Advantage program will compare itself to original Medicare without the supplement and then tell you all like dental, vision, um, hearing, and a gym membership. I think what we're saying is often those are relatively basic programs that you could probably get on your own for not that. And certainly is that for what you would pay to get that kind of coverage, you have to say, am I willing to, you know, give up the freedom and, and me and my doctor deciding everything. Is that roughly what we're saying? Because how much would it cost if I wanted to go out and get the average uh, dental vision? I mean, let's say what gym membership is what 20, 40 bucks a month. Uh, what would a dental vision hearing plan equivalent to what an advantage program offers what would that cost me so i so i know what you know what that value is you know mm -hmm. well the the dental vision that they have every, every plan is different right and some of them they have the most basic you know they give you cleanings and right um some very very basic but let's stuff. let's even take the better ones what, what are we talking about i mean so let's give them the benefit of the doubt like you're in the insurance world if i came to you and said you know i want a moderate dental vision hearing you know, what, what, I mean, is it a million dollars a month? Is it $10 a month? What, what are we talking about? And again, I hate to be quoted on this because it, you know, the, the plan that would be my favorite that covers all of those uh -huh. and is better than anything I've ever seen right. in an Advantage plan typically costs 45 bucks a month. Okay. Well, I'm going to take you at your word. This is not my area. But let's just say, let's say it's even 65 a month. So basically, or let's say it's 85 a month. So for that amount of money, if, if that's what's tipping you over, right? So let's say I go to a Medicare Advantage website and I see the dental vision and hearing and the gym membership. Let's say it's, you know, let's say I'm going to, let's go 50 to 100 a month, whatever that number is. And you can find out for yourself in your case. But I think people need to know 
for that amount of money what they're giving up and and if once they do that say hey i'm yeah that that fifty hundred dollars is important enough to me that i'm prepared to give up some medical decision between me and my doctor limit my network uh and you know what have you so is that is that a fair way to look at it? I, I think it is because it's absolutely the case that um, our philosophy is you first look at all the supplements and then if if what the supplements offer don't fit your needs and your budget, then we start taking a look at advantage plans. Mm-hmm. And you know everybody there there's a whole host of of extremes for economic situations mm-hmm. in this country, mm-hmm. and there are people with whom an advantage plan is going to be a better option uh, financially, and there. Well, who, are, who would that be? As long as you you brought that up, so give me. I mean, you give me the twenty percent that you see that when all is said and done, you say, you know what, an advantage plan is. You know, just because of economics is the better way for you to go. Well, these are the people that don't travel, so they're not RVers, for example. If you travel, you're you know you're you're outside of the network, network area, soon. right? <laughs> Um, so people that don't travel, people that have uh, limited resources, where the premium on a plan may, um, you know, may, may impact the quality of their life is the best way to put it. Uh, and, you know, so they're, they're very localized people. They don't have high resources. Perhaps their income is their social security check. And, you know, there are also state programs that are different levels. Every state's a little different, but they all have different levels that can help people with their with their prescriptions, with yeah. their um, you know, part B premium, et cetera. And in addition to that, there are uh, more so lately, there are specialty Medicare Advantage plans coming along for chronic or critical illness that are designed for people with specific critical or chronic illnesses that really do compete well for that particular situation. And and how would someone find out about those programs? And what are we talking about, like a COPD or, 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 or other kind of programs? They're focusing, they're, they, they're expanding. But right now what we're seeing is, is mostly towards um, um, cardio issues, um, okay. you know, very, very significant uh, okay. cardiac and uh, uh, diabetes. Okay. How would people find out about those programs? You'd have to talk to someone like me and my people that know all of okay, the ones so, that are available. So if someone went to an independent broker, that's something they could. So you're saying there are subcases that it kind of makes sense to give up some of this stuff because of it. But okay, but let me let me be devil's advocate on on the medical on the economic front. So let's say you came to me and said, "Well, listen, because of your economics and you know getting no premium other than Part B." is the way for you to go but if i can get charged and if i can get charged up to 7000 a year any every year anyway and then i believe on the on their pharmacy side there is no end to it so if i wind up on a lot of expensive medication you know i could be i don't know you tell me but paying another 1000 a month so let's say someone came to you and you said well listen because there's the premium is so low, you should go with Medicare Advantage. And two, three years from them, they get chronically ill, and they're paying seven thousand a year every year for their maximum out of pocket for Medicare Advantage. 
and they got on some very expensive medication. And I call you back up and, and say, now, wait a minute, Matthew, you told me that because of my economic situation, Medicare Advantage was the way to go. Uh, maybe you've gotten those calls. I don't know. But what do you say to me when five years ago you talked to me because of my economics into that program? Well, these are people that typically can't afford um, the supplement plan. So uh, understand that when I talk about looking at the supplement plans, you know, first, the supplement plan we work with called a high deductible plan it, um, you know, is typically well under $100 a month, can be $50 a month, and it still have a limit on out-of-pocket costs that are a fraction of a Medicare Advantage plan. You know, with the uh, G high deductible, your maximum mm -hmm. out-of-pocket is about 2700 a year. So these are people who have looked at the $50 a month option and said, I can't do that. Right. So they're, they're, then it was the supplement really never was a choice for them. I see. And, um, you know, with the, with the advantage plans, one of the things that we can do for those that let's say they can't afford the 50 and they just, they've got a critical illness and they go through, you know, all of your prescription drugs and they look at everything and they're spending so much money, they feel comfortable <clears throat> their decision for a Medicare Advantage plan. We can turn around and say, listen, you can also get very inexpensive policies that will we call it indemnity policies that, you know, if you do go into a hospital, it's going to pay $200 oh, really? a day, et cetera. Or if you get an ambulance ride, it's going to take care of it. If you oh. see a doctor, it's going to pay some of those co-pays and deductibles. Above that, Medicare Advantage, you're saying? That's correct. Okay, so I was unaware that this is really good information for people. If you can't pay the premium uh, uh, for the supplements, whatever, you can get a Medicare Advantage and get sort of a backup worst case scenario insurance for that. And they'll also, and I want to hear more about that, but also if you're at, at the level where economically it's a big hardship, you can also get aid from the state and what have you uh, to that for that 7,000 out of pocket or for your pharmacy. So there are other plans and I'm, I'm asking more than I'm making a statement. Well, there are, there are other plans from the state. There are uh, plans from uh, the, the, federal government and there are plans from pharmaceutical manufacturers uh, we've got i've got part two videos okay. that show where all of that is and, and links on there and i do want to make step back one second here because we're looking at a national audience and i think your assumption here is that medicare advantage plans are premium free that is the case in many parts of the country, but not all parts of the country. Right. There are a lot of places in this country where Medicare Advantage plan is actually a higher premium than the Medicare supplement choices really? that you could have. Yes. Wow. So why would it, why would anyone take the Medicare Advantage in that case? Typically, it's from ignorance. They'll often, you know, have somebody pre-COVID, somebody come into their home to sell them something, and it's an right. agent that. <clears throat> focuses just on Medicare Advantage plan and doesn't even do supplements. Okay. And they'll just say, here's your Medicare Advantage plan. And <laughs> this maybe this is a great time to step back and talk about how brokers get paid, because I, I know we want to do that. But I do have a question. You know, in looking at a lot of the Medicare Advantage, you know, literature, uh, you know, I, I I think I mentioned to you earlier on that often they just compare themselves with original Medicare. And so 
when you look at that and look at the gym membership and the hearing and the vision, it just seems like, you know, oh, who in their right mind wouldn't pick this program? What is it about seniors biking and drinking coffee? Is is, is that, I, I don't really understand. Almost every Medicare Advantage ad I've ever seen involves, se- do seniors bike a lot? Because it, it seems to be very tied into Medicare Advantage. I don't see it for other senior products. Maybe I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to have a little humor here, but it, it, is that sort of? <laughs> well, you have to keep in mind, there's so much money that the government gives the advantage uh, plan. It's a much more profitable plan right. for the insurance company. And so they have more money to advertise. Right. And, you know, for any of us, we like to envision ourselves as the healthy person, right. you know, whether we are or not. Right. And so we're, we're going to associate better things towards, well, gee, if I get an advantage plan, I'm going to be that healthy. I'm going to be writing and also going to yoga. There's something about going to a seniors, going to a yoga class. I see a lot of these programs where you're invited to a conference at, you know, some rec center in a senior community and they're offering tea and biscuits. And do you see a lot of those programs? I mean, is that, is that, um, have you seen that? I don't, I have seen, um, you know, the other way around, which will have doctor's offices trying to get people like me over to come visit so that, you know, they can meet and greet, so to speak. Um, but I haven't, I haven't seen that. I'm sure there can be, you know, and across the country, it. there's, there are all sorts of different plans with different features to them. No, I meant to entice you into enrollment to, to say, hey, learn about our Medicare Advantage. But anyway. Okay. Well, that's, that's something very important. So with the Medicare Advantage side of this business is very, very regulated. The same with prescription drugs. To the point, you know, there's something that we have to be recertified every year with the federal government and then with the uh, individual plans. And they have specific meetings or, you know, some are called uh, educational meetings and some are going to be called um, uh, actual sales meetings. You know, the, the independent broker or the individual broker, excuse me, makes that decision ahead of time. They have to go through an entire process to get whatever they're doing approved. And the regulations are so strict that if Medicare will say, when can you give a person a Medicare, uh, your, your business card, or when do you have to leave it on the table for them to pick up? You can never offer them a free meal, a full meal. That's completely wrong, but there are going to be occasions they'll allow you to give cookies and water or Coke, right? But that's all regulated completely, so much so many of the insurance companies won't allow the agent to do that anymore because they need to oh, stay compliant. And so the the insurance company itself is the one that would put on that pre- presentation. Maybe it'll be Humana or United Healthcare or Blue Cross or whatever, where the agent you know, is, is in essence, the marketer bringing people in, um, but it's the insurance company that handles it because the regulations are so extremely strict. And then Medicare will have secret shoppers, you know, within that crowd. And uh, if you get in trouble, you know, you're going to have, you know, a letter from Medicare saying, oh, you stepped out of line. So, um, okay. So you're, you're saying that the insurance companies can have these events, but not the brokers. Well, the broker can, but it's very regulated right. and the insurance companies don't want to. Is it regulated when the insurance company does it? 
Yes, it is. But they have they have it. What they've done is they've created a program and said, "Okay, Medicare, if we do this, if we say this, these are the slides. You know, only say this. Oh, wow. Completely pre-approved. You know, we're going to we're going to give them cookies. You know, we expect 30 people will have 60 cookies. So it's only two cookies per person on it. You're joking. No, come on. You have to say chocolate chip or oatmeal or I'm joking. Well, thankfully, no, they don't do that. But you know, this, a simple business card, right? In some of these meetings, it's illegal for against the rules for the insurance agent. Say, here's my business card. Um, And many of them, you know, the person has to sign a form in order for the, uh, have the permission for the agent to come back and talk to them. And, you know, the, the reason for all of this, you say, why is it this way for a Medicare Advantage plan and, and not for a Medicare supplement? And remember, the Medicare Advantage is replacing Medicare. So it's replacing your A and B. So they're representing what is supposed to be Medicare. And the Medicare Advantage plans benefits change each and every year. And every plan has different benefits. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to offer these, you have to be very specific. You can't you can't focus on the gym membership. You can't focus on the little things that, you know, are the bells and whistles. You have to have a presentation that shows all of the features, you know, fairly. You don't have to compare it to a supplement, um, but you have to show all of those features uh, um, on a fair basis. So even when we have a presentation, when somebody goes through something and says, okay, I really want to take a look at Medicare Advantage plans, we have to stop. We get them to sign something uh, uh-huh. called a scope of appointment that gives us permission so, to speak about those advantage plans. So, 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 are you saying that for if you're going to be promoting Medicare supplements, you don't have some of those? I mean, you can give as many cookies as you want. I, I mean, what, what are you? Because if I that's don't give true, cookies, so. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm using that as a metaphor. But my question is, if that's the case, why don't I see, or maybe I'm missing? Why don't I see many more glossy brochures and 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 you know uh, people riding a bicycle um, and and going to yoga class and having these events with cookies with Medicare supplements? Or am I just missing them and they're equally prevalent? Oh, absolutely not. Um, this is called profit margin. So I I know you know that I. I don't know the individual insurance company's profit margins on Medicare Advantage plans, but I know they're very high because the the amount that they pay out and they print and they focus on it. So, but we'll start with a, a typical Medicare Advantage plan because you wanted to ask about this. So, um, how much an agent makes is that's um, based on a few things. Is one is how much production they do, uh, and then what state you're in because the state regulates uh, all of that. I'm going to just use a rule of thumb, you know, that if, you know, if an agent's new, they might make a a 20% uh, commission, 20% of the premium you pay will go to the agent. And that's going to last for, you know, typically six years. For for a supplement. For a supplement. Um, That experience or, you know, like it might actually get to be, you know, 25 to 27, 28% otherwise. But it's, you get paid on a monthly basis, you know, so if you pay $100, we get 20 and that continues for approximately six years. It's different in each state. Some are a little less, some are a little more. So that's just meant to be an average. Uh, Once that period is up, 
you're no longer being compensated for that plan. The if the prices go up, etc., that doesn't change your compensation. It is fixed by the premium that a person starts with. With a Medicare Advantage plan, the government sets and in a Part D, by the way, the government sets that commission rate, uh, and it's. Um, I don't focus on these things, so I'm going to be off a little bit, and it changes every year. But you know, say it's about $550 if you're brand new to Medicare and you get an Advantage plan, and then half of that um, every year when you renew. But the for government also then for the, as long as they have the plan can be the. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So if they're alive for 40 more years, I, I get a commission every year. Yes, and the government gets to will increase that rate to keep up with the cost wow. of living. So, so if I'm a budding insurance guy, I just I'm getting into the business. Okay, help me walk me through it. Okay, let's say okay, I'm I'm new to this. I, I, I maybe I don't understand about the medical decision making that you're giving up and limiting your network. Why would any broker not push a Medicare Advantage if you're telling me they get a commission for life at at a higher commission for life? Why wouldn't any broker, I mean, assuming they, you know, you, you know, the every every program says how amazing they are. So I'm new. What? Why wouldn't I just sell Medicare Advantage uh, all day long? And many many do. Uh, that's going to be the individual agent's decision on how they want to go about their business. Um, it is very difficult to specialize in Medicare, whether you're going to do that as a supplement or an advantage plan, because we none of us get these huge payouts that you get with annuities and life insurance and other products. Uh, so it takes a long time to build a business. And many of the newer brokers that start will actually be you know, selling life insurance mostly or selling other products mostly. And Medicare is just a side portion until they, you know, they they work with it. The, you know, but, you know, different people, it's like, it's like with any other profession, you're going to have people that are motivated by money. There are people that are motivated to do what they believe to be the right thing. There are many individual agents who are offering Medicare Advantage plans and don't even understand the Medicare supplement. They, they, they couldn't tell you what they were Sorry. if you asked. Well, because I, I'm assuming from what you're telling me that once they see the commission margins and they're unaware of the, any of the downside, I'm, I'm not even saying that they're doing it with any bad intent. They're like, well, why wouldn't you? You know, because if you just see the upside, which is, I mean, I could just, I could sell you Medicare Advantage right here. I mean, basically, all you do is maybe pay no premium at all, just your Part B. You got, you know, you know low cost drugs and minimal copays, and you know, you you don't have to pay a lot when you see your doctor, and or when you're in the hospital, and you get eye, vision, dental, and a, and a gym membership. I mean, who, who would say no to that? That that you know that. That's, well, and, and right, and often to make it easy to understand, they'll say it's just like the employer plan that you had because right. you know there's a PPO. It's constructed much like that typically, or an HMO. Um, you know, so you know, I can't speak to you know how other people or why other people uh, do things, but I do, and in my videos, I even mentioned that you know if you as the consumer are going to you know start looking and researching medicare and you're talking to an individual agent um or somebody they they really should be 
starting with the supplement because it's more insurance coverage than what you're going to get. Plus you have more freedoms. Start there and work your way down. But then I'm going to rephrase what you're saying because I hear what you're saying, but isn't, uh, and look, I know you're the guest and I'm the one asking the questions, but I just want to make this point. You got to start there because if, if money was no object that, you know, you can't just say, I assume you're all about economics. I mean, you can't. I mean, you just meet someone, you can say, well, I, so first say, if it was the same price, which one would you take? So by anytime you're, 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 if you go, like, go back to our car thing, you know, if there is a, you know, Maserati versus a Chevrolet, and for whatever reason, it was the same price, of course, they should show you the Maserati first. And not to say healthcare is like a luxury car, but my point is, what I, I like to frame it differently. I'm saying if you went to a restaurant and you were being comped a meal, I mean, you you want to get you want to you want to first pick what you what you would want what you would want if economics were not an issue. So to rephrase what you're saying, and this is how I think about it. Let's start off with money is no object. What plan is the best? Well. You know, people can argue, but if money was no object, you should get Medicare with a supplement. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, you just you should if if money is not an object, you should get Medicare with a supplement and your you know Part D policy if you can afford it. Now, if you can't or there's other issues, then you look at other options. Is that the same thing as what you're saying said differently? Because you're saying start with there. But start with there because that's a better plan. It may cost more, but or may or may not cost more. But that it it actually well it, yeah may or may not it depends. But it's and it's something that from from my point of view yes the broker the agent makes less on it but it is in most cases the better decision for the consumer. Right. And so and if if a, if an agent comes up and they are only talking about HMOs and they won't speak about everything else well one is they're not truly independent and two you have to you do have to concern yourself uh, over their motive you know and um it, you know as a consumer what i find is you know people are going to work with the agents that they like and trust you know, right. they, they talk to them, right. they have to feel comfortable and confident. And, right. and hopefully that's what the, you know, the agent helps make sure that they understand all of their yeah. options. I have way too many times, and actually it's a, a person who is now a, a good friend of mine. Um, you know, we talk about 65 and Medicare, though, is also in some mm-hmm. states for people under 65 uh, and and disabled. And uh, a person who's now a really good friend of mine has MS and um she had gotten her Medicare before I met her, and the agent did not give her an option. It just gave her a Medicare supplement plan when she had an option in this state to get um, – it gave her an advantage plan when she had an option in this state to get a supplement. They're not available to under 65 in every state. And so because of that and her condition – you know, she was denied coverage, her condition deteriorated. They're now looking at, you know uh, – explained to me is over $30,000 a year in medical bills. You think, well, how can you do that if there's a cap of $10,000? Well, it's because the insurance company is denying coverage, you know, and you have to get it anyway. Uh, you know, you're stuck. You know, you- What you just said is with the Medicare Advantage, even if there is a cap, that cap is on covered stuff. 
So if they're denying something that you're going to wind up getting anyway, so there's really no cap if you include services that you and your doctor feel you need, but it's not covered. So is it fair to say on some level there is no cap in the sense that if you and your doctor or you and your family feel you need to get a certain treatment, I have to tell you, a friend of mine, uh, a physician friend of mine, recently was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and he he searched high and low for a non-surgical way to to address it. And there was a new proton, what have you, method, which is very expensive and only in a few centers, you know, around the country. And he was lucky to have Medicare. And, you know, he was able to go there, but you know, I don't know for a fact, but just from talking with him, you know, and I don't want to speak in anecdotes, but, you know, if you have Medicare Advantage, that might have been a bigger hurdle. You know, these are the issues. I want to get back to another thing, which is any kind of insurance you have, whether you have car insurance or whatever, the insurance seems amazing until you need it, right? Right? Like, you know, I, I can tell you, hey, I have this I, you know, I pay $200 less than you for my car insurance. You, you really have lost out because I'm saving so much money. But you get in a car wreck and you, you know, and they make you take it to eight body shops. I'm exaggerating. And, you know, they give you all this homework. And so I would say, you know, the real test of any HMO or any managed care or any organization is, you know, what happens if you get really sick? And, you know, what? what is that experience going to be like? You know, I often say, you know, like, look at the providers. You know, let's talk, start with there. Look at the providers. Look what medical school the providers have gone to. Are they the best medical schools in the country or in the world? Or are they not? You know, that's a really good way to look at the providers in terms of their medical school, their what residency programs they went to. In addition, you know, look at whether you'll even get to see a doctor. Now, a lot of people are fine seeing a nurse practitioner or a PA. But when I, when you see some of the networks, what you'll see more and more every year, that you may, may or may not get access to a physician every time or maybe none of the time. I don't know unless you get to, and that's okay because PAs and nurse practitioners are great. But if you yourself say, I want to see a MD, is that going to be your choice or someone else's choice? Yeah, and that's uh, absolutely. And uh, one of the great things, and we can we talk about it, is you know there are some good resources on the Medicare.gov website, and one of them is a Physicians Finder. I think they call it Physicians Compare now, mm-hmm. and you can take a look at the physicians and you know what is their background, where did they go to school, uh, how long have they been you know at, at, uh, practicing, etc. Uh, the same with hospitals. You can get the hospital rating, et cetera. Right. And, and so if you are limited to certain doctors, right. you have the ability to take a look and then you know, compare, see what the, you know, what, what the Medicare factual information is on these people. Right. Have you ever had someone where you said, listen, if, the, if you're really looking at this HMO network, let's, uh, you know, why don't you call and try to make an appointment and see how that goes? Uh, you know, uh, I think I'm, in one of my other videos I talked about, like, I don't know if you've had this frustration from your clients where they say, yeah, I'm trying to make an appointment with my Medicare Advantage doctor and says, you know, press one if you want to make an appointment, press two if you want your medical records, press three if you want to do this. 
And then once you press one, two, then they say, okay, now press one, two, and three. And then you press one, two, and three. And then they get to the next level and they press one and two. And then after all that, it says, uh, you know, please leave a message and we'll get back to you in 24 hours or 48 hours. So, I mean, are are those things, because, you know, if, if you're buying a car, you're going to kick the tires, you're going, do, do you find people don't do that? that you know, that, do, you, do you find that people say, you know, okay, if I sign up with this program, give me a phone number I would call to book an appointment. I want to try that. Or, or is that too impractical? It's Well, it's not impractical. Remember when, when you are evaluating Medicare Advantage plans. Uh, they, As you mentioned, they have networks. It mostly happens with HMOs that may, uh, especially if they're, they're new HMOs and they have a limited network right. in a particular area. They've got, you know, they've, they've done all those fancy brochures and so they've got right. a lot of people coming in. And you, it's hard. It could be three months to get a, a doctor's right. appointment. Um, we will typically hear about it after somebody has made that decision, gotten it, and had that experience. And they're calling us up and saying, "Hey, I made a bad decision." How do they? But but how would they know that? I mean, I mean, maybe look, I'm 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 more closer to it than you are. But how 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 can you investigate that? Should you actually call the number and and see what it's like, uh, or just talk? I guess talk to people. I, I don't know. There are, there are two groups of people. There are those who you know, come to us and they like their doctor, you know, and they want to keep their doctor, mm-hmm. in which case they are going to look for a plan. If they decided on an advantage plan, they're going to look for a plan that their doctor accepts. Well, 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 back up here. No, back up, back up. You say they like their doctor. Are you saying they like their doctor when they were not on Medicare? Or what do you mean they like their doctor? So let's say they're turning 65. Right. They've been seeing this doctor for 20 years. They okay. have a great relationship. But how are they paying that? How are they How are they compensating that doctor for those 20 years? It's under 65 healthcare or their oh. employer group or something. Okay. Well, most of that, I mean, unless it's an HR, most of that is fee for service. So that, that doctor that they love sees them and doesn't seem hopefully unnecessarily, but he gets compensated every time he sees them. What happens when you switch the same doctor who's now getting capitated? So when you were seeing him last year, when you were saying that great doctor last year, and he was getting paid every time you saw him, and you you love this doctor or provider, and now that doctor is getting one flat fee per month. I mean, is it, it... should you wonder if that 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 relationship might evolve a little bit and and you'll only yeah but go ahead i mean you know because i know i know where you're going because like, you know we've had so many of these experiences and when people coming in and so my doctor recommends i get you know xyz insurance now look and it's an hmo and so i i will have that conversation with them or do you know your doctor's either you know capitated or they're getting a bonus etc did they talk to you about that so is, is it fair to ask a doctor are you is, are you gonna how are you getting reimbursed by seeing me is that a fair question or is that is that too personal i mean is that is i that, i am not i'm not offended when people ask me how i get paid so so okay so so if you get Medicare, well, we know how doctors are paid if you have Medicare. They, it's fee-for-service. Medicare has a rate. You can see it. You can see what your doctor gets paid. If you go see him, if you have an endoscopy, you can see that rate. Is there that level of transparency with Medicare Advantage? Do you know how your doctor is getting compensated? Because, I mean, the examples we came up with, he could be a full-time employee 
So he's basically just getting a salary or she, uh, and not just doctors, all, all providers, or are they capitated and they're getting a flat fee, whether they never see you or see you once a month. And let's assume that's not going to alter their care, but should you at least know that? Well, you should know that, but as far as I know, I know there's transparency. If you look on CMS, Center for Medicare and Medical Services, Medicare and Medicaid Services, you can find the cap rate from Medicare to the insurance company. But I don't know of anywhere where you can find the cap rates uh, from an insurance company to the doctor. Can you just find, forget about the rate? Can you find out if it's capitated? Period. Not that I know of. You would you'd really have to have a nice, honest answer from your doctor. Or for, how about when you're just signing up for the program, can you say, are the f- providers that I'm seeing, are they going to be capitated or how are they getting reimbursed? Can You can ask, but I don't know of any material that provides that. There's no transparency that I know of the, down to that level. With so, And the brokers don't know because I assume the Medicare Advantage programs you're aware of, do you, are you, do you have that information at your fingertips? No, um, I know from experience which companies tend to do that or which plans tend to do that. And that's from experience. There's nothing that is, um, uh, you know, a publication that I can look at and say. Right. But, you know, in, in all fairness to even capitated doctors and providers, I think they're also, it's a very catch-22. Again, I, we want to have some balance here, but the, so a lot of those programs, Medicare Advantage programs also give bonuses to the doctors based on quality and outcome and patient satisfaction. So that's also important to know because your doctor, yes, may be capitated and you should know that, but he is also being rated potentially on, you know, what percent of his patients or her patients land in the hospital every year. Meaning if they can keep you out of the hospital, that's a win. That's got to be a win. And if they can keep you healthy by making sure you have your vaccines and colonoscopies and kind of staying on top of it. So in, in to have full balance, you know, capitation is an all bad, potentially, if there's also an incentive for quality scores. And I think a lot of Medicare Advantage programs would probably argue, yes, we capitate some providers, but we're also incentivizing them to keep people healthy out of the hospital. Here's another point of view. So from a doctor's point of view is you know, with, they're going to, they get their medical degree and, and mm-hmm. they're going to go off and work for somebody, whether it be a local right. office or, you know, wherever it, you know, the, they don't have a marketing arm and some right. of these doctors are uh, experienced and they've got a huge set of referrals coming in. Mm-hmm. Others don't. And that doctor that doesn't have a whole lot of business coming in, you know, they may be the best doctor in the world, but they will settle for a cap rate so that they have income coming right. in. Because it right. doesn't magically appear without a patient. Well, well let, let's explain that to, to people at home, because I, I think what you're saying, look, can I just then finish your thought? So basically, you know, for physicians or some physicians, you know, traditionally for the past 50 years or certainly since Medicare and private insurance have been around, they make their income when they see someone. And every event ideally translates into them getting compensated, often a few months later. But uh, with a cap situation, what someone will, an insurance company or a Medicare Advantage company will come to a provider and say, you know, we will give you 500 lives 
or a thousand lives, and we'll pay you $50 a month for those thousand lives. And I'm making those numbers up, but you're going to get that guaranteed income every month from us, but you are now 100% responsible to take care of these people, whatever issues they have, if they have 10 medical problems, one medical problem, you're basically in charge. So it it gives the provider a guaranteed income, which I think where you were going. So I know I'm getting, you know, 50 times a thousand every month and I can plan and hire more staff or get a bigger office or whatever I want to do. But in exchange for that, my upside is capped and all I have to do is make sure we don't spend more money than if we had done fee for service uh, because then we would lose out. So that's what you mean by if they're not good at marketing and they take a cap contract that they have guaranteed income, but but the risk is being transferred to them because now the insurance company, the max they're going to pay that doctor is already predetermined. So it's transferring some risk and the doctor takes some or, or the provider takes some of that risk in exchange for guaranteed fixed income. But go ahead, finish your thought. I, I want to just add that. So that, and I think that, that the thought from that is that then it can be argued that having a doctor with a cap rate, although you should know it, is not an indication necessarily of the quality of care that you're right. going to get from that doctor yeah, or whether course. or not they care. You know, right. so because uh, you know sometimes uh, from a, an economic point of view, that's the right decision for the medical doctor to take. But the consumer should then also know that those decisions can change, you know, in, in three, four years, the doctor can look at the books and say, I'd be better off getting paid on a fee for service. I'm not going to accept this insurance anymore. I'm going to go off to these other insurance right. companies. And now the consumer who has that insurance policy may like that doctor and they're faced with, if they have an advantage plan, faced with the decision of, of changing right. insurance companies or changing doctors. And let me just add to that because, again, we, we're trying to be balanced uh, because, you, like I said, a lot, a lot of the doctors who take capit- capitated contracts are great doctors. Let's just add to that. I mean, again, being seeing both sides of it, that doctor is really now incentivized for you not to come to his office because it's, it's not going to translate. But that also could mean he's going to he or she is going to try to keep you healthy, and that's also going to mean that that provider may not order unnecessary test on you because that's just going to generate things that maybe they're not going to get a comp because you got to come back so we can go over the results so but here's the point whichever way it goes you should at least know what the setup is because i think when you're in a fee for service situation you should know that so you can you can have your antennas up for ex- potentially excessive stuff because i mean even though you're not a doctor to the best as you can, talking to your friends or just your own sense. Hey, I think just because I'm a straightforward Medicare patient, I think they're just ordering these tests on me. Uh, not always, but at least when it does happen, your antenna's up. And knowing when you're in a capitated situation or that the doctor literally works for the HMO, you need to know that too, because in case they start cutting corners, you're like, you know, maybe they're not letting me have this test because. You know they're trying to you know, pad their profit, uh, but I mean, where am I going wrong with that analysis? No, I think if the it is that there needs to be transparency. It is absolutely in 
everyone's best interest to have full transparency of, of how the provider is being compensated, uh, what it's going to cost the consumer, what are the, the risks. The consumer should know, you know, when is it that they should be looking for a second opinion? And one of the other issues that ties into this that you, we can, you can look online to find out, but you know, doctors are also compensated by the medications. The pharmaceutical companies will pay compensation for uh, specific drugs. And so... Really? Well, Lolo, uh, in what program is that? I, I, that's... that's, well, it's, that's it's, any, it's Medicare, you know, that if they have, whether they have a, uh, an, you know, a, um, an advantage plan or you know, a regular Part D plan, the manufacturer, you know, from the one, whatever manufacturer, I don't want to name yeah. any names, can offer bonuses to the doctor right. for certain prescriptions. Right. You can look it up online. I'll, I'll get you the, the website. I don't right. have it off the top of my head, but it, it can amount to right. very large sums. Right. And sometimes we will get this when we're talking about a plan for a prescription plan with somebody and you have a couple and you notice that they're both on the same prescriptions and which would oh, be kind of wow. strange, right? Well, why is it that you're both and why are you on this brand name? Why don't you get the generic? Well, my doctor said the generic doesn't work very well. So right. I need the, you know, right. so, you know, these are things where there's been no transparency. So you're saying just overall more transparency. Okay. You know, the last topic I, I want to kind of hit on is you know, this concept of Medicare being fee for service and essentially original Medicare and even with the supplement, uh, Medicare Advantage being uh, a, a essentially a for-profit endeavor by the insurance company. So taking both of those polar opposite situations, when you look at medical care in general and where the dollars are spent, you have to really go and follow the dollars, right? If, for example, in a, in a person's life, you know, I, I don't know the exact statistics, but you know, something like one third, two thirds of all your healthcare dollars are spent in your last three to six months of life, for example, just because you know you get sick, wind up in the ICU, blah 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 blah, whatever. It is a high percentage of your total life healthcare dollars are spent. In, often in the last portion of your life. And then, of course, the other group is people who are chronically ill, who literally are in and out of the hospital, dialysis patients, and what have you. I think the real transparency of how, you know, the for-profit versus fee-for-service, I think when you get to that level, you know, that shakes out even more because that's where all the dollars are being spent. So, if you're for profit, you are highly motivated to look at that and say, what do we what can we do? You know, let's say be positive to keep people with chronic illnesses healthier. And so the, you know, the insurance companies can have high risk, what they call them high risk patients. And they they have a whole team that fo- which is good because they're 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 focusing on, you know, minimizing it. But having said that, you know, and it, it goes back to that. Inspector General report, you know, are there things being denied in that portion of the care, either sort of in the last six to 12 months or, you know, people who are just chronically ill, who are just churn, you know, eating up a large percentage of, of, of the healthcare dollars being spent? Because I think 
in every group, a certain percentage are going to be spent are going to be are going to be costing an out of proportion amount of the dollars that are being spent. So, have you seen that where a lot of these programs may look good, but when you get to the high dollar amounts, that's where the real clamping down and you know denying things may occur. Well, the the denials we've seen are you know, pretty much across the board, but it does bring up a, a very interesting point because I've had conversations with, um, and and my experience with my own father uh, in you know these residential areas that they might be assisted living or they'll take people from very moderate needs for assistance and then all the way up to you know, very high assistance in living, and. Um, People that have, you know, whether that's uh, my dad had TRICARE, which is a, a government program because he was military. Mm. Uh, then, but that and the Medicare supplement are very, very similar. And they do have better care and more options than those who go into that situation, you know, of needing assisted living. And they have a Medicare Advantage plan. And there are often discussions at those points in those facilities with what insurance do you have and, right. and what can we then do? And so there is the denial of coverage. There are There is a limitation at that stage, very definitely. As a matter of fact, it's probably where it's most easily visible most visible is is in those communities or assisted loving communities of some sort and you know i've talked to a lot of people in those situations uh of a lot of you know children with their parents getting into her you know so these children they're not really children they're you know my age but their parents are in that situation they're calling up and trying to find out what can i do right uh you know it's too late to have made that you know medicare supplement to versus advantage decision you have to have made that earlier yeah. we didn't talk about you know, so you what, what you're saying is uh it's not when you're riding the bicycle that it really matters it's when you've had a stroke and 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 now you're going to have to be in a long-term facility and 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 the that experience and so I, I think I think that's the tough part. I think I think people can't really compare programs because maybe when they bought the program, you know, signed up for whatever, they were riding a bicycle and going to yoga class. But what you're really signing up for is what happens when I'm not riding a bicycle or walking to a yoga class. What is this plan going to do for me? Is that hard for you to get across? Like, you know, like. Why don't you go and, and look at a plan and see what facilities they would send you, God forbid, if something happened to you, and go visit those facilities? You know, we talk about making the phone call. You know, I've told people, well, why don't you go ch ask them what facilities they use, you know, for a subacute or sniff, and go visit the facilities and and then and talk with the staff and talk with people who you know who who are staying there. And 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 scope that out uh, because I think again I don't want to harp on the <laughs> riding the bike and what have you but I mean isn't that really what you want to be looking at? Well, it is, and I haven't thought about doing that. And of course, many people are you know, they're overwhelmed when they're trying to learn about Medicare, so they they really don't you know have have the desire to go out and do that much uh, you know in depth research. But what I tell people, and it's it's repeated in my videos is you want to get today 
the insurance come the insurance plan that you will want to have when you are sick or injured you know don't look at yourself as today i am healthy therefore i don't need to get this coverage right. or it's not an important decision yeah. because you've only got a certain amount of time where you can get a supplement without the insurance company even looking at your yeah, health well, well, hold that thought because that's how what i want to end on because I, that's a great point but i want to finish this other thought what you just said is you want the plan that when you are sick, you, that's the plan you want. If that's true, if you're super sick and have a lot of problems, that's probably the last time on earth you would want to limit your network and limit who makes your decisions, no? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is those things that you're giving up may be the, actually the most important things to you. I mean, you know, if 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 you have a chronically ill and d- disabled and partially bedridden and what have you. I don't know. I I think maybe then is maybe you would want to go to Harvard or Stanford for a second opinion or be able to pick the rehab facility of your choice because the two, the two places that your for-profit insurance company has contracts with may not be the best, you know, so finding out what facilities they contract out with, if you get super sick, and go visit those facilities because like it's kind of ties to what you're saying because you're saying buy the plan when you're super sick. Well, when you're super sick, you're going to be probably at some point maybe in a sniff or a subacute or a rehab. And what better way to say, okay, well, if I sign up with your program, give me the list of those facilities and let me just go online and check out those facilities or let me drive there and and see them but is am i going too far or what do you think no and actually you couldn't and, and i would encourage people to at least go on the medicare.gov website because it's going to rate them medicare will rate them um, and that may not be as thorough as going to visit them but at mm-hmm. least it's something and you know that that it's hard for a lot of people to envision you know we we, we don't live forever we're not healthy forever uh, you know, and, and there are t- tend to be two categories of people as they start their Medicare. There are those who have been critical or chronic illness for a long period of time. Right. And there are those who are healthy and have a healthy lifestyle. Right. And they seem to have that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be healthy forever. Right. Um, we do find a lot of people in that category, enough of them that will say, well, you know, if I get cancer, I'm just going to die. I don't want to have to go through that. Right. And then I've you know, talk to them as they get cancer, sometimes only three or four years later, and they're in the fight for their life. They are not going to give up because right. that, you and, know, they, they, yeah. it changes at that. Well, point. but again, I, I don't think people realize that they will not be able to pick the rehab facility when they're super ill. They are not going to be able to pick the nursing home of their choice when they're super ill. They are not going to pick the world-renowned specialist in MS at Stanford or Mayo, if that happens. So, and now I really want to end the program on, on you know, if they, you know, in 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 my, you know, kind of running my organization, you know, we always talk about things that are deal killers, right? I mean, in business, there are things that are deal killers that it doesn't really matter anything else. I mean, this is really a deal killer. And the one thing I've learned from you, which I didn't know, and it was really eye-popping, eye-opening. So I want to end with this because, you know, we've tortured everyone through this long, long thing. But if they stuck around to this point, 
they're going to hear about this deal killer. And I think you know where I'm going with this. I mean, if you know this, I mean, my God, I mean, this cannot be a fine print. I mean, this got it has to be tattooed on our forehead that if you make this mistake, you're toast, maybe toast. And I'll let you talk about it. And then, you know, maybe I'll chime in, but tell them about the decision you need to make initially when you sign up to Medicare and how there may be no going back uh, if you give up Medicare with a supplement that that there may you may not practically be able to go back. But uh, I'll let you take it away. You know, across the country, um, the federal rules, there are some states, I'll talk about this in a second, that, that have exceptions. But in general, whenever you start Medicare, you have six months from the day your Medicare Part B starts, make your Medicare Part B starts six months to get a supplement. During that six-month period, you can get any supplement that you want. You can change your mind. You can do anything you want. All the insurance company could say is, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, here's your policy. After that six-month period, if you apply for a supplement, the insurance company has the right to deny you. So, no, we don't want you. They're going to look at the health history. Uh, there's an organization called the MIB that keeps all of that information in case people think they can or people think they can leave things out. Well, you can't. And they have the ability, if you have a critical or chronic illness, to say, no, we don't want you, in which case your only choice is going to be an Advantage plan or just original Medicare A and B and, and uh, have the unlimited risk with it. So you can always get a Medicare Advantage plan any year during the annual election period at the end of the year between October 15th and December 7th. You can get an Advantage plan for the next year, no matter what your health is but you can only get that supplement for those six months. There are a few states um, off the top of my head, New York, Connecticut, uh, you know, and a few others where they have a perpetual open enrollment. Now their plans are extremely expensive, but you can get a Medicare supplement at any time and no one can ever ask you a medical question. As I tell people in those states, you could be you know, in a, a an ambulance going to the hospital, as long as you've got a telephone and a checkbook, I can get you a supplement mm -hmm. before you get there. But they, if you do get an advantage plan in those states, you still have the federal regulations. You can't just get out of it whenever you want. You can only get out of it, you know, during the annual election period for a start on January 1. So you still have chains, you know, a ball and chain uh, to some of your freedom. But anyway, so that, I mean, that is it. And do we see this? All the time. Oh, yeah. so, all so, the time. So, so to summarize, you know, it's sort of like getting life insurance. If there's a period in your life where you can get life insurance with no questions asked, and they, they don't ask any medical questions, and you just pay whatever premium is, that's one thing. Then if you, the alternative would be to get sort of like life insurance where they draw your blood and do a whole medical. So what you're saying is when you're turning 65 that first year, let's say, which is it's more intricate than that. But I think let's just kind of globally say between 65 and 66, I know there's some nuanced stuff to it, which, you know, people can call you or whatever. But if you wait until you're 66, 67 to buy a supplement, meaning if you go into Medicare Advantage and you wait a year or so to get, to get out of Medicare Advantage and get a supplement, you're going to have to qualify for that by by them reviewing your medical history. And the only people who'd want to switch out of it are people who are getting sick and don't like Medicare Advantage because that's usually when Medicare Advantage doesn't 
potentially, you know, live up to what you might think. But you said you're going to be evaluated now. You're not automatically accepted into a Medicare supplement like you would have been if you went your first year. And they may deny you or could they accept you at a much higher cost or could you completely get denied? Mostly it's completely getting denied. There are a few insurance companies that will bring somebody in at a higher cost. Okay. But if I came to you and said, you know, my relative's 67, they've been on Medicare Advantage since 65, they've had a stroke and they've had a heart attack. And you're telling me as a broker, more than likely you would say, I'm sorry, you're stuck in Medicare Advantage for life. Yeah. I mean, something like a heart attack, um, you know, it is, but some people think, well, gee, I've got high blood pressure. Well, that's stopping. No, it, it is critical or chronic illness. You have to think of it from the point of view of an insurance right. company, which is, it, do you have something that might be expensive? So just high blood pressure or diabetes would not be enough? You're saying it's got to be more than that? Yeah, yes. If so we'll pick on diabetes because it's way too common. But if you have um, mild diabetes or controlled and you don't have, you're not on insulin, um, that'll be fine. But what What'll happen is if you are a diabetic and you're overweight, you can be denied. If you are a diabetic and you have high blood pressure, or some companies say if you have two medications on high blood pressure, and it's that combination of things. So you know, there are certain. But, go ahead. But are all of them going to deny you? I mean, so I mean, because there's like dozens of 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 companies in the supplement. Are you saying if there is a can I just bounce around until I find one that will accept me? Because each one's going to do a medical review. So am I going to do 10 medical reviews and have maybe one, might, I might get lucky or or do they have the same you know, kind of cutoffs in your, in your experience? They are all different in their underwriting, their underwriting procedures, their underwriting questions. Uh, this typically very black and white, yes or no questions. Has this happened? Did you have a stroke? Do you have Parkinson's, et cetera? Right. And some of the companies, well, they are different. So this is also what creates different prices, even though the benefits of the supplements so, are all the same. So if I came to you with that relative, you would put literally run them through all 10 and fill out the questionnaire for all 10 of them? No, we would interview you. What is, what, you know, what are your, what's your situation? And of course we get people say, well, I'm healthy and, you know, you know, but I have cancer or I had cancer, you know, such and such. So it'll give you some examples. So cancer is very common. Uh, if you have had cancer and you've not been cancer-free for at least two years, then there's nothing that can be done by by any of the insurance companies. But you know, between two and five years, there's a lot of insurance companies that would accept right. you. If you have um, diabetes and high blood pressure, most insurance companies that would be you know a non-issue. They're not even going to entertain it. But there's one or two that'll say, well, okay, you know what? What's your specific situation? And you know, do you have more than two medications? And they'll accept. So that's part of what we have to do and what okay. we have to know as an agent. We don't we don't run them through everything. We just know all the different nuances right. so, of the insurance yeah. companies. So what happens to an agent who sells someone a Medicare Advantage plan and didn't fully inform them of this? Is that something that's sort of a no-no in the industry? Say, hey, I'm selling you a Medicare Advantage plan, but I want you to know I'm not selling you a Medicare supplement, but I want you to know if after a year or two, if you get really sick and you want to switch back, I won't be able to sell you that in the future. Would that be, you know, just like if you're selling a house and you got to tell them there was, you know, some some the default in the foundation or whatever, is that something that has to be disclosed in your in the insurance world, 
or could I sell you a Medicare Advantage without disclosing that there may be no going back? Yeah, you have to remember, just like we were talking about with doctors working for an insurance company, said, are there agents that also work for insurance companies? We call them captured agents, and they're not independent at all. In which case, they they will recommend whatever the insurance company tells them to recommend for you, and you'll have their quotas and all that. And there is, you know, it's it's a difference between unethical and illegal. You know, from um, an independent agent, my my opinion is that there should be penalties for for a broker or an agent that says they're independent and yet does not do right. that. You know, from a practical standpoint, you as the individual have to prove that. Um, and and I don't think there's going to be any repercussion. You're not going to get a Medicare supplement just because the agent lied to you. But uh, could you be, get compensated? I've never heard of it happening. Um, you know, but again, it's so it's an unethical thing not to say something. I don't know that I wouldn't say that it's necessarily illegal, but even worse, it doesn't matter because, you know, you can't do it. You can't have a do over. Now, across the country, there is one do over that everybody should know of. And because what we're talking about happens often enough, Medicare's rule says that if you are new to Medicare, and the first thing you do is you get an advantage plan during your initial enrollment period. Within a 12-month period, Mm -hmm. if you want to get out of that advantage plan, you can. It's called a trial right, and you can get any Medicare supplement just as if it was your initial enrollment. You can do that once. Uh If, um, If you have a supplement and you get a Medicare Advantage plan, and you don't like the Medicare Advantage plan within the first year, the first 12 months, then you can have that solo trial right. You can go back and get the supplement that you right. had previously. Yeah, but that's the first year. So let's just, again, I, I like to cut, you know, make it simple. Let's say you're 67, but you're toast at that point. I mean, there's no going back at 67 if you have chronic illnesses that would fit the bill. So once you get in the weeds of talking about exceptions, you know, the point is lost. The bottom line for me is if you're 65 and a half or 67, you've been to Medicare Advantage and things turn south for you and you may be happy with Medicare Advantage, but you should know that there's probably no going back. Whether you go back or not, that's a separate issue. I, I promise that was the last point, but I, I know we have to talk about one more thing and um and the other thing is, you know, let's talk about this captured agent versus independent. Look, I think everybody pretty much understands what independent broker is. Let's just say I get that most people, it kind of appeals. Yeah, you're you're a free agent. You got a lot of different products. You're not tied in. Yes, some you may get more reimbursed than others. I get that. But let's talk about the captured agent because that I find fascinating. And I find fascinating if if we can even drill down briefly on the different types of captured agents, because I want to end this with people having actionable things that they can do. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm not a practicing physician. You know, I, I, I'm not, we're not trying, trying to drum up business for our practice or whatever. What we want to do as the goal of these talks is, you know, sort of explain everything and then give people something actionable that they can kind of potentially work on. So explain to us what a captured agent is that's selling Medicare products and what are the different types of captured agents? Well, in, in general, a captured, a captured agent is an agent who is an employee of an insurance company. Uh, 
agent typically is not um, a specialist, not a Medicare person or a life insurance person. They'll do whatever the insurance company's quotas are set, you know, whatever products that they're uh, told to do. In some cases, there are insurance companies that will have, you know, captured agents that just are responding to uh, internet inquiries on certain products. But those agents are employees, so they represent the insurance company's best interest, not the consumer. How do they get paid? They get a salary from the insurance company? They're literally, they're an employee of the insurance company? They are the employee. They will typically get, um, it's very common that they will just get, uh, a, if they're new, they'll get a salary plus you know, a commission or, you know, sometimes they've graduated onto a commission only. And, you know, we find, um, so it, when you go to somebody like this, one of the big issues is let's, let's say we've mentioned there's a lot of different prices on the supplement plans. And there are some companies that have, you know, very stable prices, some that aren't, if there's a better product out there for you, they won't talk about it. They're only going to so. talk about their insurance company products. Okay. There are some companies that will contract with someone else so that a person can give the illusion they might have two different companies they can work with, and mm-hmm. sometimes they're they're a subsidiary of the parent. Um, so you know th- that's a very different experience. You you have a true caveat emptor there because you have got to be aware that <clears throat> they are not of your best interest and. Even more, if something and you get a supplement and something down the line happens and that supplement's too expensive or right. you know something happens and you go back to that agent, the only solution they have for you is other products within that company. So basically, an agent may knock on someone's door and literally they're an employee of that Medicare Advantage company. So that's one. Another person can be not an employee of that Medicare Advantage company, but essentially one of their hired contracted agents. So they don't really work for them. They're not getting like a paycheck from the company, but they have signed, I don't want to say an exclusive contract, but relatively. No, it's exclusive. It is exclusive. They're just 1099. Yeah, they, they, okay. So they, you know. Okay. Okay. And then lastly, you know, we've got the agent that, Ha, you know, is is somewhat independent, but this is really you know they're they're making a bigger commission on the Medicare Advantage. So I think all three of those are potentially. I'm not saying avoid or don't avoid. You should know that they fall in those one of those categories versus a truly independent agent. Is that a fair summary? Yes, that is a fair summary. So what you misspoke is they can't change the the government sets the Medicare Advantage uh, commissions. So no matter how they work. They can't get paid differently. I mean, in other words, they're getting a bigger commission. So, uh, like an independent agent knows potentially they're going to make a bigger commission selling Medicare Advantage versus Medicare Supplement. Uh, is that a fair statement? That that is, and also with the captured agents, they'll also uh, when they, if they meet a quota, uh-huh. they'll get a, a rather okay. significant bonus. Right. Right. Okay. So everything else. So I, you know, I hate to kind of get that this granular, but Okay, I'm trying to sell you insurance. Uh, Matthew, nice to meet you. I understand you're looking for Medicare options. Um, I'm here to help you. Uh, I have these Medicare Advantage programs and some other programs. What are you going to ask me to to flush some of that out? You can ask it. You're going to ask, are you you know okay. independent or are you not? Um, you can go on to any state uh 
I'm, I'm on all the states. You can go to any state insurance commissioner's website, and you'll be able to check their licenses and, and what okay. insurance companies they work with. You know, who, and you'll find a captured agent that might just say, and I, I don't want to speak it, but it, it, it might just say that insurance company. That's it. Really? What, what website do I go to for that? That would be the insurance commissioner of your state. Okay, and you you just put in that person's name or their company. They, they, they all have um, every state's insurance commissioner has uh, access where you can look up a person's okay. license. Okay. You know, and it's typically more than just okay. insurance. Okay, but I'm assuming they're going to probably tell you this, so you don't have to get to that point because there's no point in that. if you point blank ask them when they just tell you. Well, you can yes, that they don't always. Um, what so what would they what would they say that? To kind of dance around it. Well, they'll they'll say, "Well, I'm in, I'm, I'm an independent broker or independent agent, and I can offer you these two plans." For example, we could talk. Let's talk about, you know, where I only do what I think is best. It happens to be this plan. Um, there is, you know, there. You really have to see who are they employed by, and okay. are they working? You know, they 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 should have a website. You know, if they don't have a website, that's obviously right. an issue they should have an email if their email right. is you know joe at humana.com yeah guess what you know when searching online so you know i put in medicare advantage and i saw the you know the ones that actually had ads on google and i went to some of their websites and they literally said yes we'll help you with medicare advantage and then they listed five six seven medicare advantage all the big names that you would hear about so are those Captured agents because they're they, they have six seven eight you know all the big names are up there so may, how how do we categorize those people okay that's a boy is that a different trapdoor um, some of those websites you go to and you'll put in your name and your information and in the next thirty seconds you will wish that you had never looked at that site again. You would just be inundated by phone calls and texts. And I, I did that as an experiment once and I had to turn my phone off. But so who are these people? I get it. No, I get, I, I kind of figured that out, but who, I mean, who do they represent? They have all six, seven, eight big Medicare Advantage programs. Trapdoor, that's a, a company that sells leads. They will sell them to anybody, whether it be a captured agent or not. Um, typically to people who are, you know, fairly new at the program, they don't have any marketing skills, et cetera. But who are they selling? Are they selling them to captured agents or they're captured agents? Yeah. Yeah. They sell them. No, they're selling them to independents and captured, but they are. So the, so that agent, you know, might be thinking, well, I'm going to pay $7 for that lead. And it's supposed to only be shared with five people. Because they call themselves a health company, some sort of health insurance company, but you're telling me that they're calling themselves a health thing, so you feel like you're calling some sort of brokerage company, but they're really a lead generation company. Lead vendor, and ah, man, you get yeah. overwhelmed at that. Okay, point. Matthew, where where have you been, where else have you seen this online or on the internet? This, I mean, I don't. Is this new information for anybody? I mean, could they find it? What we just talked about, could they find this anywhere else? Yeah, it's it's hard to tell where those traps are. <laughs> but I'm just saying, why is this not? Why is this not? Why does anyone talk about this? Because why? Why are we just talking? Have you heard any other anybody else talked? Yeah, I know your pe- people. You know, they're they're talking to us, and and um, 
you know, or they'll give us a little bit of information. And the first thing out, I'm afraid to give you any more because I don't want other people to call us. So we don't share any of our information. Also, you're talking about people have independently been through this and they come to you and say, yes, I put my name and phone number. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like maybe like car dealerships. I remember a few years ago, you know, I, I, there's a new car that came out. I just want to get some information and I'm still getting texts these days uh you know from from people saying hey did, did you ever find that honda you were looking for or whatever and uh similar is you get thrown into some sort of database and and then there's just never ends right right so that you're just putting in information you're you're stepping into one where you don't realize and there are if you look at fine print you're you will see something that may disclose what they are i see but they um all they're doing is selling your name and your data and they will they have an instant computer spin out that texts your information to 50 60 people it is it is overwhelming um they really don't care because they're selling that data I and see. they make money now that's different though than going on to an insurance company so i picked on humana so i'll pick on united healthcare blue cross or anything and you're looking at that insurance company's website and it says call us here yeah now when you do that that's going to bring you to a captured agent i mean you sell all medicare advantage product why would so why does it always have to be a lead generation i could see you someone like you creating a website where you for, for medicare advantage products that you sell you put all of the companies that you could potentially get people into and what why does it have to be a lead generation why can't it be legit like an independent broker is trying to generate business. Well, it, it can be, but then hopefully it's, you know, up there and disclosed, you know, an independent broker and then, you know, a disclaimer on there saying, you know, this information will not be shared. And we have that on our, you know, on our I website, see. you have lead so, generation forms. Yeah. We say this isn't shared. You're, right. you're going to get called okay. from one person. Got it. So this is really good information. So let me just summarize. And then, um, you know, th with three points and we're really going to end, you know, for me, I think the things that sort of people just need, I think need to walk away from everything you've said is number one, to realize that Medicare Advantage is not, is a replacement and not, not a supplement. Number two, to realize that you're giving up some control and you're giving, uh, and you are, you're not going to have the network that you have with Medicare because that network is pretty much everywhere. If you have straight Medicare with, with or without a supplement. And I think the other thing to really talk about is the no going back. I think everybody needs to understand by the time you're 67 and we can argue 65 and a half, whatever, but let's just say by the time you're 67, if you've been in Medicare advantage, and you get really ill and develop some chronic illnesses, there may be no going back. So you made that decision at 65 when you were healthy and maybe at 72 you're not or 80 you're not, you won't be able to go back. So I want everyone to know that. And and if they know that and they make that decision, then that's that's great, but they know it. And then I think the last thing that I think people need to know, who are they talking to? Are they, you know, we use the term captured agent, but even a non-captured agent, are they talking to someone that is literally going to analyze their situation and offer them really what's best for them as opposed to a product that they either get a high commission from, higher than, you know, Medicare supplements, or because, you know, who writes their paycheck or who their 
you know, exclusive affiliation is with. I think those are actionable things that people can take out of this long talk we've had. But is there anything to add to that or or put more more color and texture? The one thing I would add to it, and my own personal belief, is um, go with your gut feeling. When you decide to work with someone, your gut tells you sometimes that mm-hmm. something's not right with that situation. Mm-hmm. Listen, you know, everybody, we all have that, you know, the the feeling nervous getting into, you know, the wrong elevator or something, right, right. Uh, just, you know, go with your gut feeling because that it's, it may not be perfect for everybody, but it helps. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because you're speaking as a broker, but I can tell you as a clinician, why don't I, why don't I add to that? Well, you know, go with your, you're talking about go with your gut feeling when you're talking to the broker, but I think go with your gut feeling when you check out the plan, meaning, you know, the things we talked about, literally try to book an appointment, pretend you're already on the plan and try to call and book an appointment, try to get through to an operator. Okay, and, and and no, really, just try it. And please, please, please go visit their nursing homes and long-term acute and their rehab uh, and their subacutes. Go visit them I'm, just because that's when you're going to want the freedom to pick. And if you visit them and, and, and you think they're the cat's meow and, and this is the place you'd want to be, God forbid, at least you'll know. But go visit them, knock on their door. I, most of them will give you a tour. Just say hi. You know, I'm, I'm, I like to get a tour of the facility in case uh, I have relatives or people that may want to use this facility. And see if you can get a tour and talk to people. Talk, and if you can talk to staff and patients, I think you know it, it may be one of the most important decisions you make. And and that's kind. Of, I guess I didn't use the phrase "use your gut feeling," but I'm going to use your phrase. Use your gut feeling when you're doing that. And, you know, also ask, you know, what are the chances I will actually see an MD versus a nurse practitioner versus a PA, which, again, nothing wrong with that, but at least you'll know. And how long will it take to get an appointment? Will it take a week, three weeks, six weeks, a month? And, uh, you know, can I have the credentials of all the physicians and PAs and nurse practitioners? And also, can I, you know, um, if you have a particular problem, let's say you have an orthopedic problem, get the list of orthopedic surgeons they have on staff, look them up. And I think, you know, that that's your gut will also help you with with the clinical side and not only like the, you know, checking out the broker. That's one part. But then if you decide to go with a plan, check out the other. Um, How do you think that combination of like understanding the broker's motivation, but also understanding you know, what the plan's all about? What do you think of that combination? I think it's it's good. If if everybody did that level of due diligence, there would not be so many that we talked to that regret the decisions they made. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, listen, I, I really, really enjoyed this talk. Yeah, I, I think we got a lot of amazing information I didn't know and your wealth of information. Matthew, can you tell people how, how they can reach you and what are the different ways to reach you if they want to get more information from you? Well, um, there's several ways. You can take a look at our website, which is medigapseminars.org. And if you're new to Medicare, there's a new to Medicare section, which you can take a look at all the free information, the free videos for education that we've had. And if you want to contact us, there is the contact us or get a Medicare supplement quote or anything else that you need. Certainly call us at 800-847-9680. Go onto the website and I Mm -hmm. would encourage everyone just go on the medigapseminars.org. 
take a look at the videos. You without obligation, without commitment, right. without cost, you can learn what you need to learn about right. Medicare. And do you offer a, a a consultation or I mean a free consultation? How does that work? Uh, just give us a call and ask for one. And we've got, you know, I've got myself and my team. I've trained a, a team of right. licensed agents that yeah. uh, we go through your situation. And mm-hmm. again, our, our intent is to help you make an informed decision. Right. That's critical and uh, may take longer for some than for others, but you, you know, we're going to be there until you're ready. Okay. I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for listening. You can check out my website, jonathanbakhtarimd.com, to sign up for my newsletter. And you can watch this full episode over on my YouTube channel, BakhtariMD, where you can leave questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes. And as usual, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Be well. <laughs>